Welcome to Liftoff from your friends at Relay FM. It's brought to you this week by Luminos. Liftoff is a fortnightly show where you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the latest news about space and related subjects. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host on the West Coast, Jason Snell. Hey, it rhymes. Thanks. Hi. Hey. How's it going? It's good. You're uh, you're the man to see in Tennessee. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we should get to the pre-flight checklist. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of a bummer this week. Uh, so there was a launch on the 1st of December uh, for a, a uncrewed, we should say right off the bat, a Russian cargo ship, one of these uh, progress uh, supply ships. I like to think about it as like a, uh, just they're basically just blasting a shipping container of stuff up to the yep. uh, space station. And it seemed like they had a problem with the third stage of the the booster and the uh the 5,400 pounds of fuel and food and water and a spacesuit were all lost. And a spacesuit. Oh. But everyone's yeah. fine. You know, these things happen. They have redundancy and failure kind of built in, you know, built in mind a little bit. Uh, there's a quote from NASA spokesperson saying that the astronauts and the cosmonauts are safe aboard the station. Consumables are at a good level. Yeah. And uh, it's not- notable this is the fourth time in about two years that a supply ship heading to the space station has failed. So we had the orbital ATK Cygnus. Uh, it exploded after liftoff in October of 2014 atop the Antares rocket, a rocket that just very recently made its return to flight. It was a spectacular explosion at launch. Uh, a Progress spun out of control after a bad separation from its booster in April 2015. So basically it went tumbling uh, into space and then came back and then of course the spacex falcon 9 that i saw explode in june of 2015 so these things happen there is safety and redundancy built into the schedules and everything should be uh should be a-okay yeah they they build a lot of uh (laughs) a lot of redundancy into this right there's a big buffer of materials for this very reason and then you know at the end if they run out they leave, <laughs> right? Come can, home. You can always you can always get everybody off the space station at the drop of a hat if you need to. So, so yeah, it's still um, it's not good. Space is still hard. It turns out, still hard. It is, and I remember after the Falcon Nine, there was a lot of discussion about you know there have been kind of three in a row: October, then April, then June, and that was I think getting further into those margins than they liked. But uh, but again, there's no need for real alarm here. Just kind of an interesting story that came out over the weekend. Yeah, um, I had a, a link that I posted on our uh, on our Tumblr, which people can get to at liftoffpodcast.space. Dot space space, uh, which is a New York Times story from last week, uh, November 28th. A lot of fun about it's called space's trash collector a japanese entrepreneur wants the job and it's a really cool idea this is a uh, a guy who wants to build a company uh it's called astroscale into uh basically a debris collector in orbit there's a lot of junk in orbit uh those collisions you know the air force keeps track of twenty three thousand different pieces of junk that uh, that they can detect from the ground. And then there's smaller particles like little bolts or paint chips. And they can cause um, huge problems because the, you get the, the mismatch of speeds in space. Uh, you can have a, you know, 
thousands of miles an hour paint chip hit your spacecraft and it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it's it's a great idea. The, the challenge here, as with a lot of this stuff, is he's trying to build the technology to do that, but he's trying to build a company. And how does he get funding? And so there's this whole idea like they're, they're trying to... Uh, they're trying to launch a satellite that will measure uh, debris strikes and create maps of debris. And the idea there is they sell that to uh, space agencies and satellite op- operators so that they've got an idea like where the debris is. And then, you know, he wants to go from there to be able to actually intercept and and deorbit uh, stuff. And they, they actually want to create like a uh, a glue block a block with this with an adhesive on it that anything it touches is stuck to it and then in the end they deorbit the craft and uh, the junk burns up with it which is great i you know i think that i'm excited about this i'm glad somebody's working on this i would think that in the end space agencies might pay this company right if if he can get past the proof of concept right to help just clean things up up there and i was thinking almost you almost want to start having like a uh it's like the equivalent of something like a like a carbon tax or something you almost want everybody who puts things in space to pay a little bit of money for the garbage man <laughs> like i think that might be a good idea because it's a you know it's a real problem and it, and it, and it's and it's only getting worse and somebody needs to figure out a way to sweep up uh, some of the the uh, dangerous garbage that's up there yeah it's a super cool article and uh i like that the idea is simple enough i can wrap my head around it Right, that is just kind of like a sticky, yeah. sticky flytrap flying through space. Yeah, and, and you you get a big, you know, big enough. I mean, again, space is huge, but if you know where these objects are, at least the big objects, then then you have and and over time, you know, it would be like a self driving car. If you get a spaceship up there with a pretty large surface surface that it can use to grab things, and it can. Uh, it can plot its path and and it can kind of just you put it on its way and it just kind of goes from junk point to junk point and mm-hmm. and and you know it could you know something has to be done right i mean this is this is going to be it would it actually down the road blocks our access to space if we do, if we have too much garbage in the way and it can be super dangerous for sending people in space so uh, yeah, it's a fun article. Um, there's a lot of uh, miracle happens here with a cloud and a question mark happening in the middle where it's like, yeah, he's going to try to make money. He's going to try to launch something. But um, it's a cool idea. And it's something that I'm glad people are talking about because it, it's definitely a big problem with uh, with uh, uh, junk in space that could potentially destroy your spaceship. So this week we are going to talk about Saturn. But Jason, first, you want to tell us about our sponsor? Saturn, maybe you've heard of it. Uh, But first, uh, this episode brought to you by our good friends at Wobbleworks Makers of Luminos. Luminos is an app that combines the most advanced astronomy features on mobile with the careful craftsmanship you expect to find in the very best iOS apps. Doesn't matter if you are a serious astronomer. We say here you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know about the stuff we talk about. You can be. Rocket scientists are welcome. You can scoff at our lack of knowledge of rocket science if you like. So Luminos could be great for you. If you're a rocket scientist or an astronomer, 
If you want to st study the largest catalog of stars and deep space images available on a mobile device, Luminos has the tools you need. But if you're like us, a casual astronomy enthusiast, you want to fly to a, a comet, land on a moon, uh, simulate a solar eclipse, all of those things are fun ways to explore space using Luminos. They've got meteor showers, satellites, telescope mount control, a whole lot more, and it's all in the single integrated Luminos app. It's built on an advanced simulation engine that's been more than a decade in the making. It's continually optimized for the newest features of the iPhone, iPad, and Apple Watch. And you get everything for one price. There's no in-app purchases or annoying ads. You buy it, you get it. Wobbleworks has been doing free features updates for a long time. Version 9.1 has been announced. It adds translucent terrain, multiple sky orientations, a model of Comet 67P, a theoretical position for my favorite planet, Planet 9, which may not exist, and much more. You can find videos, screenshots, and a lot more at wobbleworks.com or search for Luminos on the App Store. Thanks, Luminos. So... Saturn. Let's talk about Saturn. some basics and then get into some of the, the wild stuff. So if you remember okay. from your elementary school days, it is the sixth planet from the sun. It's the second largest in the solar system after Jupiter. And because it's a gas giant, the numbers like gas giant numbers are always sort of crazy. It's 95 times more massive than the earth, but it's actually the least dense planet. In fact, it's about right. two-thirds the density of liquid water. As a kid, you may have learned that if you put Saturn in the bathtub, it would float. Very large bathtub, though. And it will leave a ring. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. I was going to say it's the sixth planet from the sun, but first in our hearts, because that's also true. It is a beautiful planet, but we're going to talk about that more in a, in a little bit. Um, hey, Stephen, what does Saturn have to do with agriculture? Can you grow crops on <laughs> other, the rings? Other than being named after the Roman god of agriculture, I honestly don't know. Okay, I think that might be it. <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I didn't know there was a god of agriculture. I, uh, I think that's a very strangely specific thing to be a god of, but whatever. I really didn't go down that road in preparing for this. So, just, uh, All right, well, this is not a mythology podcast. It's fine. No, we could draft Roman gods another time. Okay. Saturn is believed to have a core of iron, nickel, and rock surrounded by a deep layer of metallic hydrogen, which is a super strange, <laughs> unearth-like material that I barely understand. It's um, it's very bizarre. This we, this came up when we were talking about Juno because mm -hmm. the trying to find out what's in gas giants is hard because they're really big and so it's way down there and juno which is now in orbit around jupiter that's one of the things juno is trying to help our our understanding of and, and you know saturn not as big as jupiter but saturn has uh the same kind of thing going on where we're, we're there are lots of ideas about what's happening at the core uh, we've got these incredible densities pressures happening there uh and metallic hydrogen uh you know is is in that in, in that layer above the the rock core, and then uh, and then you've got you know more more regular kind of liquid hydrogen, also totally weird, but uh, but not as weird as metallic hydrogen, and then liquid helium above that. And then begin because as a gas giant, you have a atmosphere that's hundreds of kilometers deep, made up of mostly hydrogen, but it's got some helium and a whole bunch of different trace gases thrown in as well. Yeah. Yeah, gas giants are, are fascinating. They're all, uh, you know, we've got two 
then there are the ice giants, which are a little bit different. But Jupiter and Saturn, um, you know, we we when we talk about exoplanets, there's a lot of gas giants out there in the in the solar system or in the galaxy in the universe, presumably. But certainly, we've got two in our little collection of eight. You know, a full quarter of them are these big gas giants, and they're weird. They're they're super weird. I mean, when you're a kid, you hear you hear about. Do you remember this? Like how how much you weigh on Jupiter or Saturn? Mm-hmm. And they have to say, but you actually can't stand on Jupiter and Saturn yeah. because they're just a big uh, envelope of gas. So it's weird. The 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 thing about Saturn. So Saturn, you'd think would be overshadowed by Jupiter, right? Jupiter by far biggest planet in the solar system it dominates uh, other than the sun it is the, the the dominant element in the solar system but saturn wins the beauty prize because it's got uh it, it it's a beautiful color and it's got the big rings so like jupiter the the cloud tops that we see are banded but they're banded to a lesser extent you know jupiter has these alternating light and dark stripes where saturn is more uh, the same color all over, kind of a, a, a yellow tint, which comes from mm-hmm. ammonia in the upper layer of its atmosphere. It's not a, a necessarily a peaceful atmosphere either. Looking at winds in the upper atmosphere can reach like 500 meters per second at, around the equator, which is five times hur- hurricane force yeah. here on Earth. The strongest hurricanes, yeah. like the, the, the fastest, and it's five times that. It's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I would not want to be there, right? I mean, it's it's not a good it's not a good place to hang out. It's a uh, these these storms because they don't they don't have any features. They just kind of blow around the planet, and so they build up this incredible speed. Tell me a little bit about the Great White Spot. Well, okay, so again, boy, comparisons to Jupiter. I wonder about uh, Saturn's self esteem sometimes. Uh, <laughs> The Great White Spot is a storm, just like the Great the uh, the the Great Red Spot on Jupiter is a storm. These uh, there are storms that are uh, so big on Jupiter or on Saturn that you can uh, see them by telescope from Earth, um, thousands of kilometers across. Uh, it it uh, it's kind of a periodic phenomenon because. Uh, Saturn is, has an axial tilt, so it's got seasons, and so uh, it's got sort of like 28 and a half year intervals as it moves through its seasons where we see this stuff. Um, and there's a there's a picture that I saw that was really cool about this um, this big white storm that was uh, it was so powerful and so long that that the so the Great White Spot or the Great White Oval that you could trace it back. Uh, all the way back around the planet and then back around. And it was like wrapping around its own kind of trail. It's amazing. Going across. So it's pretty. And, the, you know, and it's Saturn. It's a large planet. It's a pr- it's just kind of amazing. So this is, uh, um, it, it's pretty cool. This is, uh, it, these are such complex systems, right? Because they're, they're so much, they're so big and there's so much uh, gas and, uh, and uh, you know, and and then the sunlight hitting it adds some energy to it, and it's got its own internal heat, and it's uh, there's a lot going on there. But so yeah, the Great White Spot is not as uh, dramatic as the Great Red Spot, which has been around a very long time on on the face of Jupiter. But it's still pretty dramatic. Uh, that that shot, we'll put a link in the show notes. That shot of it kind of wrapping around itself, it's pretty great. And it's interesting too that it seems to happen on an interval of about every twenty eight or twenty nine years. When its yeah. northern hemisphere tilts most toward the sun, and so when you, you read yeah. about this, you can see observations made of it, and it's every twenty eight years. It's yeah. it's right it's, on time. It's just like winter storm watch. <laughs> Great white spot warning. So the, Saturn has the most interesting, I think, 
or at least intriguing feature maybe in the entire solar system just when you see a picture of it you're like no that can't that can't be and it's the hexagon yeah if you go to the north pole of saturn you'll you'll there's there's a hexagon there there's a there's a hexagon it's not a circle it's not wispy it is a you know six-sided polygon of wind it's it's wacky so it's it looks unusual um and it is as you might imagine enormous uh, it's longer than the diameter of the earth and it, it rotates around every 10 hours but it's believed that it's not unlike like our jet stream currents that we have in our own atmosphere just much larger and in this this hexagonal cloud pattern and the center yeah. of it is a large vortex that is believed to plunge perhaps hundreds of kilometers down into the atmosphere yeah and it's like this weird red eye at the center of the of the giant hexagon it's great you should check out pictures of it you know we're, we're probably not doing it justice but it is it is something you know i think your eye uh, when you're looking at pictures of nature or pictures of planets, uh, you expect certain sorts of forms and you don't expect other forms. And polygons are are, are eye-catching when you see them because you're like, what? How can that be? But, you know, they, they've done lots of tests of, of the dynamics of it and like the fluid dynamics of it. And it kind of makes sense that it would naturally form a hexagonal shape. We see that in other places. It is like a jet stream. But still, to look at it, it is weird and alien and uh, and bizarre. And only at the North Pole, the South Pole of Saturn doesn't have one. So take that, South Pole. So let's talk a little bit about its orbit and rotation. It spins around its own axis, again, once every 10 hours or so. This is so fast that this, the planet is some 10% wider across its equator than at its poles. It kind of gets mm-hmm. squished down a little bit due to the spin. It's really noticeable in, in photos, actually. It's kind of the first thing I think of. I was like, that's not not quite round. Uh, yeah. And, and because it's so much further out, we're talking about 30 Earth years to make an orbit around the sun. Yep, it's way out there, um, but it's spinning fast. That's just it is. It, it is a. Uh, I, so most of the pictures I have um, that I in my little folder of desktop pictures that I use, where I had I've had Pluto for a long time. Mm-hmm. Most of my pictures are are Cassini photos of Saturn, and um, it is every time I look, I, I have that same reaction, which is it's beautiful, and also it's uh it's kind of squashed. <laughs> what do we know? Have we? What have we done as far as observing Saturn? Well, it's hard to see Saturn from the Earth. You know, obviously, we can see the cloud tops. We can't really explore it too closely. Um, We have explored it with spacecraft, and we've talked about some of those on previous episodes. The Voyager spacecraft, both both motored past, um, and that taught us a lot of things about about the moons. There are... Depending on how you want to count moons, there are between 62 and almost an infinite number of moons around Saturn. Um, uh, One in particular is notable, uh, which we will get to sort of at the end, which is Titan. Uh, But there are also some other interesting moons. So so Voyager got us a lot better detail. A lot of the smaller moons were discovered uh, by, by Voyager. And then since 2004, and this is the big one, Cassini has been traveling in the Saturn system. They uh, launched off the Huygens lander, which went to Titan. And we've learned a whole lot more details about the hexagon, more details about the uh, the makeup 
of uh, the atmosphere of Saturn. And Cassini is now entering, very sadly, entering its final phase where uh, Cassini is changing its orbit. It's going to it's going to live um, live on the edge. It's going to be it's going to be uh, risking things that it wouldn't have risked earlier in the mission because it's reaching its end. So they changed the orbit. So it's going to kind of go through the outer ring of Saturn uh, 20 times once every seven days. Uh, these are places where they just were didn't want to send the spacecraft before. So we're going to get some close looks at the rings that we haven't gotten before and then when all is said and done in 2017 it will be uh it will be deorbited as they say which is basically they will crash it into saturn and that'll be that and i think we've mentioned it before in passing but they're crashing into saturn on purpose they don't want to disturb any of the moons uh that may may contain the recipe for life which we'll, we'll talk about again here in a minute but the cassini mission which we really don't have time today to give it justice, um, has been just a, a, an amazing treasure trove of images and science about Saturn and, and some of the most amazing moons in the solar system. There's one image in particular, we're going to have a link to it in the show notes, called The Day the Earth Smiled. And it is a picture of Saturn being uh, backlit from the sun. And it is, it doesn't look real. I mean, it it is truly breathtaking. We see Earth as a as a pale blue dot, uh, kind of peeking out from underneath one of the rings. It really is just uh, breathtaking. Yeah, it is legitimately. I have this in my collection of uh, of uh, of images that I put on my desktop. It is it is one of the most spectacular astronomy astronomy images I've ever seen. Not only because you can see Earth as a little dot, but the only way you can see Saturn and its rings backlit is if you've got a spaceship flying around Saturn, right? You got to be outside the orbit of Saturn to do it. And so it also speaks to me on that level, which is like, here is, here is a perspective unlike any we've had before of this planet, which is uh, the, the sun shining through the rings and shadows falling on. It's just, it's amazing. It is an amazing picture. Plus Earth is a little dot and you can say that's us way back there. It's amazing. So let's get into the rings a little bit. They were first right. spotted. Dangerous. Watch out. They were first spotted by Galileo. Um, and this is, as I'm sure anyone who's seen a, a photo of Saturn knows, this is an extensive, very large system of rings. They extend hundreds of thousands of kilometers from the planet. But what's really mind-blowing is that the vertical height of the rings is typically about 10 meters is only 30 feet yeah they they are they are they are paper thin essentially on astronomical scale that these things that we can see from earth um you can't see them with your naked eye but you can uh you can galileo saw them didn't know quite what they were uh huygens uh the astronomer uh he confirmed that they existed and uh, what they were and they were that it was a ring around saturn and if you look with a telescope or, or even really i think with binoculars you can see them and that it's just kind of spectacular like the the rumors are true like you can see saturn and the rings and it's just like this it's such a huge ring system and then you realize that the thickness of those rings is uh 30 feet that's it that's that's all it's it's an incredibly um uh, hundreds of thousands of kilometers and then 10 meters thick it's 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 amazing now 
The rings themselves are not named with anything interesting. It's kind of unfortunate. They were named in term, in order of being discovered, basically. So there's the A ring, which is the the uh, uh, which is an outside ring, and the B ring, which is the broadest ring. Uh, the C ring is on the inside, and then they they kind of you know they they hop out. The F ring is outside the A ring. So they're they're they've they've lettered all the rings. And then uh, they also have names for other features, other gaps in the rings, the most notable of which is the gap between the A and the B ring, which is called the Cassini division, which is a a little less than 5,000 kilometers across. Um, and that's due to the moon Mimas. It's in a two to one orbital resonance. So actually like uh, Mimas goes around uh, twice you know, twice around for every one time around for the rings. But what it means is there's a gravitational resonance that basically uh, is shepherding the ring material so that it's either um, it's either pushed inward or pushed outward, but it clears that gap. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of gravity stuff going on to keep these things, because otherwise you're like, why is it why is it flat in a ring shape and not just a, a cloud or something like that? And the answer is basically gravity that the that Saturn and the moons of Saturn are all kind of forcing this system into this shape which is this thin ring of material made largely out of um, water ice, just little rocks and big boulders of water ice. That's, that's essentially what the rings are. And nobody knows how they came to be. They, they, they originally thought that they were probably formed with Saturn. Now, I think that is on the downside, and people think it's more likely that either there was a collision of different bodies or there was a large body, a moon around Saturn that kind of broke apart and, and, and fed the, 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 the ring system. But nobody really knows. It's an incredibly complex system, and it's kind of hard to figure out how it came to be. So, yeah, and advert some stuff, too, that it may have been... Uh, you know, may have been, uh, m- you know, moons that broke up or there's no telling, right? And it's, it's one of those things that uh, we may never know. Maybe this uh, this new last bit of Cassini mission will help explain uh, where these com- came from and their makeup. But as of right now, there's some, there are some questions there. We did talk about the moons. We drafted a bunch of uh, Saturn's yes, moons. Look at that. We drafted the moons. Done. Uh but I think there are a couple worth worth mentioning here. Titan, yeah, uh, it is the massive moon. It's one hundred and eighty percent the mass of our moon. It makes up some ninety six percent of all the mass in orbit around Saturn. <laughs> it really yeah. shows you the the disparity between its size and the others. And Titan is uh, unique for its atmosphere, right? It is the uh, a much thicker atmosphere that we have here on Earth. It is believed that it is made of nitrogen. Titan also has liquid methane lakes on its surface. It's the only, I think at the time, it may still be true, the only uh, liquid uh, detected on the surface of, a, of an outer solar system body. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I think that Earth and Titan are the only two solar system bodies we know that have liquid on their surfaces, which is kind of wild. And Titan's got the super thick atmosphere... So that if you if you land on Titan and you stand there and are looking around, it's very cold. So you, you bring a coat, but um, it's sort of like twilight um, lighting. So it's not like pitch black, but it's very it's very dim because a, a lot of the light gets reflected by the by the the haze in the atmosphere. But it's also got this thick, you know, it's a it's a 
a rocky body with a thick atmosphere, uh, but it's in the outer solar system, so it's a little bit different. And and you mentioned the 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 chemistry here; it's cold chemistry, so it looks like a chemistry we understand, except the materials involved are different because of the temperature difference. So the lakes are methane instead of water, but they do have the rocks are frozen water instead of silica. But in the end, there are still lakes, and there is still erosion. And all of these other things that suggest a a, uh, a cycle of uh, of an uh, an environment of an ecology that uh, or you know a, a geography that we kind of understand but just at a much lower temperature and so it's a uh, uh, and also notable because the Huygens probe landed on it so we have pictures of the surface or a picture of the surface of Titan which is notable that's the uh, that's the furthest out landing we've ever done. And then there's, you know, but enough about Titan. I mean, it's 96% of the mass. It's, it's, it's all of it. But uh, Enceladus, we should mention, which, you know, uh, Europa for years, especially if you saw 2010, um, was, uh, it's captured people's imagination. There's a congressman in Texas who's really excited about, about the possibility of that, that ocean and maybe there's life in Europa and we need to go there. Um, and that for, for years, that's been the talk. But Enceladus kind of turned everything on its head a little bit be, and said, this little moon around Saturn said, I, you know, talk about me, talk about me, because um, it not only seems to have a, a, a water ocean that's uh, pretty large, but it seems to be spraying um, water and ice out into space. So it's got geysers. It's got a, it's a, it's the, your, your space water fountain. And so now it's become, you know, they've flown uh, Cassini through it and they have talked about sending a probe back to, uh, to Saturn that would uh, be designed to sense what's in the plumes from Enceladus and see if there are, uh, there's evidence of uh, chemicals that would potentially be uh, part of a, a life process that happening in Enceladus. So Enceladus has gone from being kind of a minor footnote in in you know many moons of Saturn to being this uh, this uh, real target of interest in the solar system and you know making both Titan and Europa jealous. I suspect <laughs> little outer solar system sibling rivalry. Little rivalry, yeah. I think that does it, Jason. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what what can you say? I mean, Saturn is fun. It floats in the bathtub. It's got beautiful rings that are made of ice, and nobody knows how they were made. But they're shepherded by the moons. This is all cool stuff. It 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 um, it's good because I think if if Saturn was just kind of a yellow ball, out, you know, next one out from Jupiter, um, it would be really boring. Like we wouldn't we wouldn't it would might have interesting moons and stuff but we wouldn't talk about it and instead it's the jewel of the solar system i mean the, that ring system makes it like uh when you ask somebody to draw a planet i think that in order to get across what it is people draw a draw a ringed planet like the sci-fi channel's logo was saturn essentially right a ringed planet it means sort of space and 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 things that are are not like the other the other planets in our solar system. So I, you know, it's funny that it could have been uh, a more boring part of our solar system, but instead it's like the iconic. If 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 visitors came to our solar system from elsewhere and said, you know, okay, hey everybody, we we went through that solar system. If you want to be a tourist here, here's what you need to see. Right? It's like ride a cable car in San Francisco. They'd be like, you got to see the sixth planet because check out that ring system. That's that's wacky stuff. That would be, I think, number one on the agenda. And Earth, there's people in this, this there's this blue planet, whatever, but those <laughs> rings, check it out. So if you want to learn more about Saturn and its rings and its moons, we have a bunch of leaks collected this week in our show notes. 
at relay.fm slash liftoff slash 35. Uh, you can get in touch with us there. There's an email link. You can find us on Twitter as well. Jason is at jsnell, and you can find me there at ismh. Until next fortnight, Jason, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Adios. Adios.